Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from a couple of different places on the internet. We are coming to you live from Crowdcast. We're coming to you live from YouTube. Or maybe you're listening to later us later on a podcast on iTunes, Android, or whatever. Whatever platform. Maybe you're listening on a rock. I don't know. I don't want to judge. It's all good, brosif. Yeah. <laughs> Hard cut off. All and good, brosif. There Our tagline. Well, guys, we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. We have a lot of stuff to go through, even here in the intro, and we have two great guests coming up on the show. But first, it is that time. Once a month, we pay tribute to the amazing folks that support right. us over at Patreon by reading off a very long list of names, and every time, we nail it. Oh, stop with 100%. that. Honestly. It's going to be real easy to do it when I'm on woodland Wi-Fi. Really <laughs> yeah. You're plugged into one of those rocks I was talking about that you listen to podcasts from, right? 100%. My antenna is a birch tree. My router is a rock. <laughs> <laughs> so if you'd like to support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. But we are going to read off the names of the folks that support us at the level where we thank them. And above right now. <laughs> hey, True. if you blow that bad, we're not calling out your name. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you know, you got to jack up the price there. This is important. No, Aaron no. C. Hollis. Marks. Adriel Moreland. Elena Fontenot. Amanda Harris. Amy Gonzalez. Andrew Edge. Andrew Primo. Andrew Tillman. Benjamin Brown. Harley W. Christina Jeremillo. Christer Lizzie. Clemens Luer. Curtis LaRock. Deman Ryan. Dan Snow. Dancer, Danny Cabral. Daniel Fuentes. Daniel Warden. Routing out the Dannys, we got Danny Heck. <laughs> and sort of a Danny, but not exactly Dennis Scott. Derek Mainhart. Derek Mainhart, doubling it up. <laughs> Dylan LJ. Eduardo Martinez. Emmett Quish. Aaron Durian. Jeffrey Risher. Gerard Devilliers. As Isaac Carter. I was about to go Isaac Cartel. Let's get weird. Connolly. <laughs> James Kurtz. Jason Donahue. John George. Jonathan John. Jonathan McCool. Joshua Gibson. Joshua W. Broxton. Catherine Aninson. Casey Newhaven. Kevin Grimes. Kevin Kleinrock. Roderick. Cody Thomas. Kyle. Lee Brown. <laughs> Lucas Sink. Mark Carrillo. Mark Zeller. Matt Tice. Megan Thigpen. Michael Tillman. 
Mike Dargenio. Mitchell McDonald. Nelson Martinez. Nick Broughton. Nick Grayson. Off-White Savior. Ooh, Official yeah. CBC chef, Brett Macris. Omnia Soul Art. Oren Dix. Pablo Martinez. Pedro A. Rangel. Pete's Pretty Kitty. <laughs> oh, I met that kitty last week. Primetime Polly oh, yeah. <laughs> Rev Mikey. Sarah Schottenmuller. Sarah Schaefer. Scott Carpenter. Scott England. The man named Stanley. Tamela Rush. The Big Flood. The Twelve Banch. Victor Perez. Will Buchanan. William Litch. And Zika's Viral Comics. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for thank your support. You. It is awesome. We really appreciate it. It really honestly does keep the show going and support everything we do, including the amazing drinks that we make on the show. That's what we're going to talk about right now. Going to give a shout out here. As we mentioned, our official chef, CBC chef, Brent Macris, has been curating a drink a week from Gotham City Cocktails by Andre Darlington. This week's cocktail is called the Smoke Pellet. And it, yeah. uh, you smoke a cinnamon stick and you put it in there with some spicy chili liquor. It's real good, folks. It looks good. I mean, no, sorry. It, I bet it tastes good. It looks like swamp water. Like mm. straight up swamp thing pee-pee. <laughs> Great. Do you think uh do you think swamp thing uh has to uh Yeah, you know. he's in the he's in the water all the time, so it's free reign. Oh yeah, it's like a pool. It's like a public swimming pool. I'm on a I'm on a lake right now. A beer cat PhD shouting out, don't knock swamp thing PP until you've tried it. It's exactly right, because as we're gonna learn in our throwback stack, we're covering Swamp Thing Volume One by Alan Moore. <laughs> Some of the stuff that comes off that swamp thing is edible as hell. I love it when Whoa. you plug things that we haven't done or haven't planned yet because yeah, we haven't done and we haven't planned that yet. That's like what you call an early plug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, let's plug something that is already out by bringing our first guest into the stream here. She is the writer of the new book, Just Pretend, which is out now from Little Brown. Her name is Tori Sharp. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, Tori. Hey! How are you? Hey, I'm hello. doing great. Thanks. Good. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, so I mentioned this to you before we went live, but this book over here, Just Pretend, uh, which I have a physical mm-hmm. copy of, gave to my daughter. She loved it. It's Aww. super fun, super sweet, but it's also based on a true story of your life. Uh, so what is that like, taking your life and putting it down on the page like this. Do you mean the process of doing it or just emotionally what it's like? I mean, a little bit of both, both, really. (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, Well, emotionally, it's very satisfying and also super scary. I think it was way scarier to do memoir than it would have been to do fiction, which is partially Mm -hmm. why I'm really excited that my next book is going to be fiction. Um, But I am very, very glad to have made this book and that it's out there. Um, I think I said something in the author's note, too, about how once you put your childhood down on paper, you feel a little bit removed from it, too. So it's really strange trying to remember things from that period of time now that I've made it into a cartoon as opposed to before, because I feel like the memories of it get kind of mixed up with the drawings that I did Mm. along the way, too. Um, So it's there and it's also completely changed now that I've done the book. Um, And as for like the actual process of turning your life uh, into a book, I started by just sort of writing down everything I could think of from my entire life that had anything to do with the topic of divorce, because that's really where it started. Um, My 
parents divorced when I was like three. So it, it was something that I grew up with and thought was totally normal. Um, and it is normal for tons of kids. So I wanted to write a story where I just show what my experience was like and where kids could point to it and say, that's a real person. She actually um, had the same uh, experiences as, as me or slightly different, but at least they'll feel seen. Because a lot of the books that I read when I was growing up that um, showed a kid with divorced parents, usually they just live with like their mom or their dad, but not both. And I found mm -hmm. with my me and my friends, it was a lot more common that we would swap houses or mm -hmm. Um, like my experience that I wrote about in Just Pretend was that I lived with my mom most of the time, but I would spend every other weekend with my dad and have dinner with him once a week. And that's the story that I've seen repeated a lot more often with, with other kids. <laughs> it's interesting to hear you say that you went for something non-fictional because half of the book is mm -hmm. the fantasy world that is, is it you or is it this character? Which way would you refer to it? Is it actually you in the book or is it a fictionalized version of you? Oh, uh, with, with Tori in the book or with the yeah. fantasy characters? Well, I do. Yeah. Um, no, I do ahead. consider Tori in the book to be a character because mm -hmm. you can't represent your entire self in um, like a protagonist in a comic that takes like two hours to read. Um, so she's absolutely based on my experience, but anybody who writes memoir has to think of the character as outside of themselves and be able to project like a narrative arc onto a character, whereas life doesn't always make sense. Right, sure. um, yeah. But the two characters in fantasy story are also representative of like opposing facets of myself. Mm. Um, yeah. Just a follow-up oh, question ahead, on Justin, the. Um, sorry, sorry. Um, when you were you're talking about, um, you you wrote everything down. Um, how <laughs> did that work then? As you sort of had all those personal uh, details down, when you re, re sort of approached them, was it then the character that you were sort of picking up, or how did you make that full transition in between the two? So I I wrote that really long draft that was basically from birth until present day, and then I showed that to my agent, and. He helped me pull out the pieces of it that felt like they would be really great in a book. Um, having feedback from other people really helps when you're stuck like that. And I think I had a pretty good idea of where it needed to go or what pieces of the story were important. A lot of it um, ended up circling around my friendship with Taylor and a lot of the pieces that my agent, um, Brent Taylor, um, from Triada US, he was um, pulling out some parts of the story where Taylor and I like taped mailboxes to the back of our chairs in our classroom. And um, we would leave messages for each other between classes, uh -huh. little things like that. But they are, they're so random, it would feel weird to put them in like a fictional book. But things like that actually happen and kids do stuff like that all the time. That's awesome. One of the things I liked uh, was how you kind of started as a kid and you would like uh, draw comics about uh, your life and uh, kind of like your dog's adventures. I uh, myself would like, uh, you know, I had a tree fort and I would kind of do uh, uh, kind of like cartoons of myself uh, just to kind of like process things like that. Like what was it that kind of like drew you to sitting down and kind of uh, drawing things out? Was it, was it just something that made you feel good or was it something you saw somebody doing? When I was a kid, I think drawing was something I turned to in school because it was just a good way to fidget and use my hands when I was restless. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think I was very good at drawing when I was a kid and I didn't expect it to become a career. I just liked it. And then when I started um, writing comics as well and, and drawing them, it, 
it, I wasn't thinking so much about how I was processing my life. I just felt like it was the coolest thing I'd ever done. And I wanted to keep doing <laughs> it forever. That's awesome. Looking at the fictional part here, was this something that you wrote when you were a kid as well? Or is this something that you used more as a metaphor as an adult? This is something that I wrote when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, when I was pitching it before the book sold, I was joking to my friends that this book is just an excuse to publish the story that I wrote when I was 12. Um, and I got to um, include moments from the story all throughout the plot until the last moment in the book is where that book kind of concluded, which is a moment that is actually setting up for sequels. I was mm. writing like a trilogy, right? So I finished like the first book in the trilogy when I was a kid and then never wrote the other ones. But mm. um, <laughs> it felt like it paralleled what was going on in my actual life very well, which um, fit the theme of Just Pretend about how um, storytelling can be a way to process what's going on in your life and communicate it to other people. So by sharing that story with like my dad and my friends at the time, um, I think they were able to learn about me a little bit. And now as an adult, since I can so clearly see the parallels between the two, it just felt really natural to um, alternate between moments in my real life in the book and then moments in the fantasy story and let them support each other. Obviously, this has been a very weird time to release a book, but uh, I'm still curious, are, has there been any specific response you've gotten either from people in this age group or otherwise about the messages in the book, about pretending, about using your imagination? Yeah, I started getting some like emails from kid readers who talk about how mm -hmm. they want to be writers when uh. they grow up, and that's been incredible. Um, that's been my favorite response so far, just starting to... Um, hear from kids themselves. Um, and yeah, a lot of what I've talked about in other interviews has been the theme of imagination. And I think people were drawn to using our imaginations to cope through the entire last year. So it ends up feeling very relevant. Yeah. yeah uh, now, oh, go ahead, Justin. You had. No, go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just going to ask you a question, which you kind of already addressed, but I asked my daughter before the show if she had any questions for you, and her question uh. was, are you going to be writing any more books? <laughs> Absolutely. I would like to be writing and drawing books until I am 100 years old or so. Um, yeah, and I, as I said, my next one's fiction. We haven't, my, my publisher and I haven't really announced what it's about yet, but I'm very, very excited about it. It just feels like a really joyful light-hearted book it's a still uh in the middle grade age range but there's mm -hmm. sort of like a puppy love element and it hits on a lot of topics that i'm very excited about so i know i'm being super vague but i will absolutely be writing both more comics and eventually i would love to just write prose as well mm -hmm. and not have any pictures attached to it interesting why <laughs> is that why is it just doing the double duty or why would you like to move towards pro prose exclusively? They are completely different art forms. So there are things you can do in comics that sure. you can't do in prose. And there are things you can do in prose without pictures that feels completely different. And mm. um, I've been writing prose since I was a kid, right? Like that's part of the plot of Just Pretend that it's the fantasy story I was writing when I was 12 is a comic in Just Pretend. Um, but when I was writing it, it was a novel um, and I have like drawings I found of characters from a novel I started writing when I was like eight years old. Like it's wow. just been what I've wanted to do for my entire life. 
Um, and I also still have like a writing critique group that I started where we critique prose and I still work on other novels and I'm also a literary agent. So I end up like um, oh. critiquing my science <laughs> manuscripts. So I um, interface with prose all over the place. Yeah, and you're like deep into much. prose. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So you're like, let me do this thing I'm already doing so much. Right. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Uh, the book is great. Uh, yeah, I pass thanks for answer. sharing it. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Thanks I'll so pass your answer much. along to my daughter. She'll appreciate it as well. Uh, and good luck. Uh, we'll have you back on whenever the next book comes out. I would love that. This has been <laughs> wonderful. Thanks. All right. Yeah, thanks, take Bye. Bye. All right. Once again, the book is called Just Pretend. It's out now from Little Brown. The author is Tori Sharp. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, it's super fun. The art is great, like she talked about and what kind of we touched on here. Uh, it has some really good, smart things to say about families that are dealing with divorce uh, in a very different way. Uh, and yeah. Good stuff. Definitely check it out. Next up, we are going to have another writer here in the stream. His name is James Albon, and the book is called The Delicacy. It's also out now, but from IDW Top Shelf. And James is coming to us from Scotland, where it is super late. James, wow. yes, yes James. there you go. Thank you All for right. coming on. Like I was just saying, I mean, I draw pictures for a living, so I don't have anywhere to be tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> the dream! Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about this book, which I I love this book. I didn't know what to think or what it was about going in. And for a good portion of this book, I was like, oh, what a nice story about two nice brothers starting a restaurant. And then it takes a little bit of a turn. Uh, I'm curious to hear when you try to sell it to people or when you talk to people about it, how much do you actually tell them about the plot? How much would you like <laughs> us to talk about the plot? Well, that's always the big question. Uh my wife always uh, chastises me for giving away too much, so I don't want to spoil oh. the uh, many, uh, you know, the many sort of surprises. But essentially, it's about these two brothers who move from rural Scotland uh, down to London with the intention of starting a restaurant that will bring kind of like wholesome, organic uh, Scottish food to what they see as like a polluted, horrible big city. Uh, and the restaurant kind of has a rocky start, but then suddenly becomes really, really successful when they discover this new mushroom growing on one of the brothers' farms where they're sort of producing all the, all the vegetables for the, uh, for the restaurant. Uh, and when the, when the restaurant becomes this huge success, the younger of the two brothers, Tulip, becomes uh, overwhelmed by the sort of glamour and luxury that this, like, uh, this sort of luxurious celebrity life he can suddenly afford uh, allows him. So um, there's certainly a sort of side where it starts off being about, like, the wholesome nature of organic cooking and then it becomes very much about the sort of the way that greed and corruption can tear apart a familial relationship sure. i was again I, I feel like i could harping on the same thing i just talked about but i was so surprised because it's so deep into the book when it takes this turn and it clearly is there the entire time and you clearly set it up the entire time but when did you hit on this central idea? Did it start with the idea of these two brothers with this restaurant? Did it start with kind of the end idea and work backwards? Or where did this begin? I think for me, there's sort of two main, there's two main threads of how I approach the book from the start. Uh, the first is the kind of context of it. So um, I love restaurants, I love bars, I love going out and I love that sort of yeah. restaurant culture. So <laughs> I do a lot of drawing and sketchbooks like in restaurants and in bars and cafes, just drawing people eating, drawing kitchens and that sort of thing. Um, so the context was right there. It's like a it's like a world I love and it's, it was really exciting to tell a story in it. Um, and then the other side of it was very much this idea of like the emotional 
the emotional sort of clinch of the of the story. And for me, that came really early on. I wanted it to be about conflict and jealousy and about someone who can kind of like enter the world and not even necessarily in the restaurant world, but like you could enter any discipline with these like high-minded, uh, worthy ideals and then see what it would take to like have your ideals compromised and sort of become uh, corrupted by your own greed. Um, so putting that into... Uh, putting that into the context of restaurants was like the jumping off point, which was really, really exciting, both to write about and to draw about. Yeah, I wanted uh, to talk about the the drawing a little bit. The art is fantastic. It's got well, like a really cool, like watercolor kind of feel to it. Really enjoyed the paneling. Uh, really, really fantastic. Really pulls you into this world. Pete, did you want to ask about his process at all? There it is. I just wanted to compliment him and, and oh, say right. your art's awesome. And thank James, you. don't tell us anything about your process, please. Yeah, yeah. it's a one. We do one-way interviews, but we just throw some compliments. Yeah, just, just, just see just you later. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How, how so, did you attack the panels? How did you uh, to, uh, do the art of the book? Uh, basically, it's all as you say. It's all watercolor and gouache. Which, um, if there's any listeners who don't know what gouache is, it's essentially quite similar to watercolor, but it's kind of thicker and more opaque. Uh, so you can get a bit more impact and a bit more sort of weight in the colors. Um, but basically, I'm really, really, well, I want to say I'm really, really traditional. I'm also really, really bad with computers. So uh, <laughs> I think maybe unlike a lot of comic artists, uh, I just draw everything on paper. Like what you see in the pages is as close to, like what you see in the printed pages is as close to like how it actually looks when I draw it on my desk. The entire mm. pages are done as one thing. And then I just oh. scan them in right at the end and then just like remove a little bit of the sort of, the, the edges of the page and that sort of thing with Photoshop. But yeah, it's just, it's just painted straight on. So, um, yeah. So where do, what, then, what are you yeah. doing with all the pages? Where are they just sitting? Uh... Oh, they're, they're currently sitting in the, uh, in the bottom of a plan chest. There's always this, um, there's always this sort of period as, as you get to the end of the book, the book's 320 pages and the pile yeah. of finished pages gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh... And I, I, I haven't scanned them in yet because I hate, the scanning process and it's like it's so boring <laughs> to like sit down and scan everything in and save it and clean it up and all that sort of thing so i spend this period of about six months when it's like the book is almost completely finished but if there was a house fire it would be gone oh, there's no man. God, it's so there's stressful no, like, i'm stressful for you <laughs> Uh, now, so have you uh, have you worked in restaurants or this this book feels very like internal to restaurants when you said you just sort of been observing restaurants? I'm curious um, if you've gotten inside in any way. Yeah, well, I mean, I've I worked in restaurants and catering companies a bit when I was younger, just as sort of a waiter uh, and I hated it and I was terrible at it. And my boss was <laughs> so and that sort of um, that, that sort of theme comes up a little bit with the relationship between uh, Tulip, the restaurant owner, and some of his like kitchen porters who he treats terribly, the more sort of famous and successful he gets. Um, but no, it's really, it really comes from my love of eating in restaurants. But I'm very lucky to have uh, some friends who work in who own restaurants, who work in the restaurant industry, who are very kind in letting me go into their kitchens and like draw directly ah. from life. Mm. A really big part of my research and a big part of my process is just like sitting down with a sketchbook and drawing from observation. So I was lucky to be able to like go into a working kitchen and just, you know, like wow. draw and, and enjoy so yeah, cool. what they're doing. So, because uh, I, yeah. I will say I worked in a lot of restaurants and bars in my years and oh, yeah. boy, uh, is murder on everybody's mind. So, oh yeah, uh... <laughs> it's a setting that fits naturally into, <laughs> you know, if you're going to bring those sorts of themes into, uh, you know, themes of, themes of death and betrayal and murder, the restaurant industry is the place to do it really. <laughs> 100%. It's a hot was bed. there 
on that same note, you show so many great recipes and dishes throughout there. Um, were were there things you were kind of fact checked on by chefs, or was it kind of just picking and choosing, going and, and drawing what was there that night, or did you have people actually craft things for you for the book? I wouldn't say people specifically crafted things. Some things were like improvised from things I'd eaten myself in restaurants. Mm -hmm. I'm quite I'm not like a great cook, but I enjoy cooking, so. Um, a part of it was also from things that I would cook myself at home. Um, and also a lot of the decisions are actually made on like, you know, what looks nice. There's a there's a page where we're talking about this mackerel dish that he early in the book that the uh, the main character cooks. And my main motivation for that is like the, the texture on the skin of mackerel is just beautiful. and It's like beautiful to paint. So I'm like, if anything's going <laughs> to stand out on the page, you've got to choose something that's going to look gorgeous. It tastes awful, but it's beautiful on the page. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know how much you want to get into this. Are the mushrooms real? Like, is there <laughs> is there a real analog to the mushrooms you're working off of, or are they completely fictional? No way. No, they're not. They're not real at all. And in fact, I mean, I can't reveal the plot twist around sure. the origins of the mushrooms. <laughs> but really, unfortunately, very very late into the. Uh, very late into the project, my dad's partner, who is a um, an arborist and a botanist, uh, mm. looked at the script and she was like, "That wouldn't work. Mushrooms wouldn't work with that. It's just <laughs> biologically not, not really believable." And I was like, oh, "That's so so annoying." <laughs> yeah. For me, it came from. It's difficult to talk about without revealing the sort of yeah twist sure, of, sure. Of, of what the mushrooms are doing, where they're coming from. But I think for me, I mean, I actually don't really enjoy mushrooms. I find, you know, like a lot of people, I find the, the texture kind of gross and the taste a bit funny. Oh, <laughs> so the, the grossness of mushrooms sort of ties into what makes them interesting to write about. You know, like uh, if it if it was something that was universally loved, you know, if it was strawberries. Like, yeah, you can't. You can't I wouldn't buy it if this was a book about some some surprising carrots. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's something mysterious about mushrooms. To your point, that yeah. even if the botanist is uh, sort of up in your face about the reality yeah, here, yeah. like, I still, uh, I still buy it. Mushrooms are sneaky. You don't know what yeah. they're up plus to. Yeah, magic yeah, yeah. mushrooms. Yeah, you you know, know, it's not a plant. It's not a tree. It's not a what are they? You know, it's a little. Yeah. Uh, they're a little mysterious. So I think they show up at night. In quite a nice way. It's weird. They're yeah. Weird. What do they want? What do mushrooms want? That's what do they what want? I don't know. What do they want? They're... They want what all of us want. You know, security, mm -hmm. money, a few holidays a year. You know. Yeah, I but... always leave a couple of nickels by the mushrooms in my backyard. Smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. smart. Right. Otherwise, <laughs> they'll rise up and destroy us. Like you're. <laughs> Like you're saying, James, I do think the mushrooms tie really nicely into the theme of the book, or at least one of the themes that I took from the book in terms of authenticity, how we present externally versus how we are internally. Why, if that was something you are in fact dealing with, why was that an important theme to tackle with the book? I think that's a really, for me, it was really, really important theme, as you say, because firstly, it's, it's, a, it's a part of, I think it's a theme that has emotional resonance for everyone, you know, not... Not everyone has uh, built up a multi-million pound restaurant industry and betrayed their brother, but everyone has had a conflict between like the, the self they, they project in the public world or on social media or in like social circles, and then their mm. inner self. And that in itself reflects really nicely in restaurants because you have this like glamorous, luxurious, often very relaxing sort of dining experience for the clients. But behind the scenes, you have this world where everyone's running around, everyone's shouting, everything's on fire. Like, yeah. you know, there's a there's a there's a sort of discrepancy between the uh, 
sort of chaotic high energy, or hopefully not chaotic, but you know, the high energy of the professional kitchen versus like the relaxing ambience of a restaurant. Um, so I wanted there to be a similar parallel within like the main character's internal self, where he's got this, once he becomes this really kind of successful and, and rich celebrity chef, uh, he has this, this dichotomy between his, his public persona being this like sort of playboy uh, personality and his internal life just being chaotic and, and compromising himself more and more at every stage. I love that, especially because like, it's so true that so much of what restaurants, especially high-end restaurants, are about like the artificial calmness of cooking. Like cooking is inherently like wild. It's inherently intense, especially when you're doing it that in that like compressed a space with that many diners. So to to really exploit that in, through the characters, I think that's such a great. I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah, thanks. I don't know how much dining you've necessarily done because of the pandemic over the time that you've been creating the book and now that the book is out, but has it at all changed the way you view the experience from doing this? It's that's a really interesting question, actually. I mean, the, the thing is that the book took like two and a half years to write. So actually, especially the sort of research and the early conception side of things um, happened way before the pandemic. And it, wasn't, it didn't even occur to me that there would be a time when I couldn't go to restaurants. Uh, I was very lucky because my wife and I were living in Lyon in France um, for several mm. years before we moved back to the UK, um, which is like the gastronomic capital of France. And we just ate so well there. And there's so many really exciting restaurants, which like was a lot of the early kind of planting of the seed of, of mm. what the book could be. Um, but then, you know, the early stages of the book are very much like researching and kind of sculpting out the initial form of the story and, and like developing the initial themes before any like rough panels get even drawn and then before any final panels get drawn. Um, it is weird to have, to have, you know, hopefully touch wood, you know, we'll all be back into restaurants soon enough. And, you know, like people who work in the catering, and the hospitality industries, you know, they work so, so hard and they've like certainly yeah. in the UK and I suspect in the US they've suffered so much. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully we can get back into restaurants in a way that supports them, but it's also like safe for them. Um, and that's, a whole thing in itself, which obviously the book doesn't really approach because because I was writing before any of that happened. But um, uh, it was interesting in terms of its timing, actually, because it suddenly meant the pandemic struck when I was like getting deep into the drawing the final artwork, drawing the final pages. And in a way, it was a little bit of a blessing in disguise because it meant that I just had to like sit in my studio every single day with my head <laughs> at my desk. There was nothing else. I, I couldn't like, go out to do. Get yeah. the and have a hangover the next day and like not feel like working. Like all I could do was like go into the studio and draw. <laughs> so that actually was just a little bit of a blessing in disguise because illustration is such an easy sort of work from home. Uh, you know, yeah. quite, we're very lucky in that respect. It's so easy to work from home. So that made me sit down and sort of focus and, and uh, you know, draw really efficiently. But now that things are opening up again, you walk into restaurants and say, don't you know who I am? I'm the creator oh, yeah. of The Delicacy. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and they look at my mask and they say, no, no, sir, we don't recognize you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this book is on stands now. It's available now. And it's awesome and uh, very so dark, uh, again, without talking specifically about the twists or anything like that. But what's next? What are you planning next? What are you working on? Uh, so I'm working on a new story, which I mean, much like uh, much like Tori, I'm not going to give any details away because it's in such a sort of early, uh, early embryonic form. Uh, but you know, other than that, I'm still uh, alongside graphic novels. I do a lot of editorial illustration, which I really enjoy. So I've got a lot of editorial projects kind of uh, ticking along, which is a really nice, different pace of work from graphic novels. Yeah. So I'm, you know, drawing every day. But uh, yeah, I'm hopefully 
you know, realistically a couple of years, but uh, there'll be something new and exciting to show you uh, show you then. Awesome. Great. Sounds good. All James, right. Again, thank you for coming on so late. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest nice. of your glass Pleasure. of wine. And, yeah, uh, take it's care, such man. It's a shame Thanks. I can't be physically there. It's such a shame we can't all be in, uh, ah, in yeah. the U.S. Seriously. One Next day. year in New One York day. City. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye, James. Have a good night. Great. Thanks so much. That's Great it. book. All right. Uh, once again, that is The Delicacy. It's out now from IDW slash Top Shelf by James Albon. And like we talked about, great comic, very really dark great. and twisted and without ruining anything. But Heike recommend picking it up. And now we're going to move on with our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience question. And for audience questions, this is pretty simple. There's two things you need to do if you're over on YouTube. Just drop a question about Dude. absolutely anything in the comments. On Crowdcast, see a couple of you have already done this, but drop a question again about absolutely anything in the Ask we're a Question section. Just uh, do what you want. To, uh, but now let's go on. Other than tonight's special Gotham City drink, uh, what are you guys drinking? What, uh, Pete, what's your poison of choice tonight? Uh, drinking a little uh, V2O, a little vodka water. You know what I mean? Just what? Keeping it simple. You know what I mean? Wow. Just like, That's oh, boy. not a cause for concern. I mean, having had uh, Pete's drink, a drink from Pete's cup a week ago tonight, yeah. I know that it is intense over there. So yes, it, uh, shout out to How Edward you? Doherty. You you that had a good. you had one of those sneaky Pete's and then ran off to a meeting. Were you? Yeah, were you drunk shocker? later? Um, yeah, it was um, it was confusing for a while. It took me a minute to really reassess, especially like leaving the show after the show was very. It was just a real roller coaster of emotions. Oh, you know, man. I took a second to meet Pete's cat with a very intense, got an intense relationship with that cat very quickly. I feel like oh. real Justin is well, a real she Justin was... cat. You know, the the cat was just kind of like, how do I know this voice? And why have I been trained to hate this guy? You know what I mean? The cat, like, the like, cat jumped on my shoulder and was sort of giving me, like, take me with you vibes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, take me out of here. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. You get that way. The cat was kind of like, I don't really have water in my bowl, so just, which is uh, Hey, V2O. how dare you? Do you yeah. give Kaboots the cat V2O? Fresh water daily, all right? Fresh wow, water. delicacy. Fresh water daily. Man, that's, that's right. That's amazing. That well, cat that eats so and drinks better than I do. What are you drinking, Justin? I'm drinking um, a uh, organic wine. Oh, of course you are. A little snobby. I'll take it. I'll take the hit. Well, I'll hey, when you're in drink. Walden, which is where yeah, you are right that's now. not where I am. <laughs> Walden, weird guess. Uh, I'm in way upstate New York near the Canadian okay. border. Uh, Sweet. I was just a break for an odd Walden Pond type thing. That's all. That's what yeah. I was going for. There were two roads uh, in front of me, and I chose the road less drunk. Not true. <laughs> uh, I want to drink this cocktail, though, but I just don't have the stuff. I've been sort of on the road the last two weeks. I do not have the gear. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It was definitely the most expensive cocktail that we've made so far from this Gotham City cocktails Ooh. because I did not have any of those things. Well, let me say, though, you will use... All of that stuff. Oh, Those, yeah. What are the what, what is the um, the spicy? So there's uh, the entree rays. Oh, is the, you're oh going to use God. the shit out of that. So what I'll tell you what. Even I got, are you saying? I got this mezcal margarita kit that I was drinking, which was awesome. So good from Illegal uh, Mezcal with one L. Really good stuff. Really good mezcal. Uh, last night, I took the mezcal, lime, some agave, and the entree rays, made a margarita. Maybe the best margarita I've ever had in my life. So wow. good. Yeah, I mean that's just oh great. God. 
It's jealous. Great. I'm going to drink it every night. It's going to be amazing. Let's get to some questions about probably comics here. Let's see what happens, because this is slowly becoming a drinking and cooking show. This is from Ben, (laughs) the Border Collie. Apparently, it is International Kissing Day. So who are the best and worst kissers in comics? What? Ooh, great question. Um, I I forget, Pete. Did Mephisto kiss Mary Jane or just was a whispering thing? It was a whisper, you piece of shit. Okay, just a question. Still a question. It wasn't a kisper. Nope. <laughs> you think Mary Jane? Real quiet kiss. A kiss. You think Mary Jane just like gave him a little wet willy right on the way out the door? Wow. Sort of like uh, Edward Doherty says rogue, but I can't tell whether that's good kisser or bad kisser. I'm sure she's yeah. a great kisser that also knocks you out. Oh my god! I would say yes. I mean, rogue's a great answer because that's a kiss you really remember. Um, yeah, or don't, as the case may be. True. Yes. Uh, I would say do you think Wolverine is a good kisser? I feel like that could go either way. He's the best. <laughs> the best he is at what he does. What he does That's not. Right. He's not what he kissing is not what he does. <laughs> kissing is not what he does. It could be. It could, it could be all off panel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Too stubbly. People very... like the stub. Not Plus to his keep breath... harping on your favorite characters, Pete. I bet the Punisher is a terrible kisser because he feels Maybe. awful the entire time. Yeah. He's just angry, uh, thinking about his family. That. But imagine these guys' breath, the Punisher, Wolverine, oh awful breath. Both of them, disgusting. You don't know that. Yeah. There, you know, have you ever seen Wolverine with a toothbrush? I don't think so. <laughs> Maybe he's got a pocket full of mints. You don't know. Oh, yeah? Pocket full of mints? <laughs> I haven't heard that story. <laughs> uh, uh, Cyclops, I honestly think, is probably a good kisser. I'm just going to throw it out there. I have no backup for it. No, you're by, just naming book. I don't know. Real by the book kisser. Cheese Gray, like Emma Frost, both go for him. There's got to be something going out there. Hmm. Emma Frost, good kisser. Diamond. No tongue. way. No yeah. way. No. Gold is She's a selfish kisser. Oh my god. What does that mean? She's pulling your tongue into her mouth. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> hey, this is my... I mean, what's a selfish kisser? <laughs> Stop yeah. stealing my tongue, lady. That's what I always shout. Wow. Wow. Uh, Hellboy, I think, I think hopefully what everybody's getting the impression here is that we've never actually kissed anybody. Yeah, so we don't know, we don't know, know what we're talking we're, about. Like, kissing tongue. Okay, Venom, he's a good kisser, big tongue. <laughs> he's got to be good. That's what oh, that's uh, they like? That's what the, they like, huh? Uh, Edward Doherty, chamber, bad kisser. Mm. Got to be a bad kisser. Mostly yeah. uh, energy, plasma. <laughs> Do you think Batman's a good kisser? I bet he studied. I bet he studied how to do the perfect kiss for every situation. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I remember that story he arc where he, after he finished training um, in <laughs> in the wilds of Japan, he then went yeah. to the kissing expert. I remember yeah. there was that, uh, there was, there was three issues where Descartes said, and now we kiss. Mm. It was nice. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Too much tongue slap. <laughs> Too much um, lip slap. Great. Not All right, enough. here we go. Flat. This is from Stray Bullet. Both guests tonight have put their own experiences into their books. How much do you think this works for superhero books? Is the source material too over the top to pull from any particular author's own experiences? That's a great question. And I will say, I think that's a big difference that we talk about a lot between Marvel and DC. It feels like Marvel does have, a lot of the Marvel books have those sort of on the ground, seemingly firsthand experiences that are maybe not directly from the author or the writer, but like it feels very much like it could be. Uh, So 
Uh, and I think it is important. Just because it's fantastical doesn't mean you can you can't right. draw on the emotional. Yeah, that's the thing. The the you know the groundings of these characters, the kind of like things that we can relate to, is where people pull from. You know, I think that even uh, with DC characters, when they are vulnerable or going through tough times, is when it makes them great. So. Um, yeah, I did. I definitely think there's different ways to inject ourselves uh, into uh, stories. I know when I'm reading it, I'm putting myself in that situation. So, yeah, I think that's the, the nice thing about uh, drawing from your own life is it uh, kind of you can kind of put yourself in different situations. Yeah, uh, just to echo what you guys said, I think it's vitally important to do that, and it ultimately makes the comic books richer. Uh, Let's go to a question over here on YouTube. Nelson Martinez says, have you guys seen the upcoming Star Wars Visions, the Star Wars anime shorts coming up on Disney? I'm very curious. What do you guys think about it? Did you guys check out the trailer that dropped the other day for this? I have not watched it, but I am curious. I feel like I have not gotten enough Star Wars content lately. Are you guys yeah, feeling uh, a gap? Are you? You're serious. I'm, seri- I'm being serious. Oh, okay. I'm being right. serious. Okay. I mean, there's definitely the High you, Republic stuff is going on. Like, what are you talking about? Well, dude? I think you're you're right. There has a bit live action Star Wars. There's yeah. been the Bad Batch. Bad Batch. Yep. We haven't watched at all. I don't think. No. Pete, no. have you watched the Bad Batch? We as a group. Yes. I only watch stuff that we really? watch together. I never do anything that we aren't agreeing on completely. That's why I don't know how to kiss. That's why I don't know how to kiss. Oh, boy. Um, Edward Doherty, by the way, I just want to jump over here. I think this is a joke saying Saga is a real-life experience, is right? And I think kind of it is. Uh, it's definitely about family. Uh, but That's a great... The, yeah, go ahead. That's a great example of a book that I do feel like a lot of that stuff feels like it's real life experiences pushed into the metaphor of these different aliens and different uh, space experiences. Yeah. Yeah. And to answer Nelson's question, I think it's great. I would love to see more different takes on star Wars. You know, I think we're really starting to get to this place that frankly, we should have been at decades ago where George Lucas just let go of star Wars, let other people jump into it and have different takes, have two different angles on it. Um, and Star Wars Visions is the same way. As long as it doesn't end up like the Animatrix, I think we're all good. Oh, Everyone loves the Animatrix. Oh, do they? This is from Edward Doherty. When was the last time you checked BKV's panel syndicate site? Everything they produce is very good. And my answer is not for a very long time. I check it out a lot, and I do like their stuff over there. Um, the latest issue of Friday, um, which I, I keep forgetting to put in our stack, um, it, it came out. Mm, I want to say two months ago, maybe even longer. It's great. And it's something that we should be, we should be covering. Um, Well, I can't wait for you to make us do that because I would love to check it out. Uh, Jonathan Cool is wondering when the Bad Batch podcast is coming out. Uh, Pretty soon we call it the Bad Podcast. Oh, wow. You see what we did there? Yeah, we're still workshopping it. Stanley says, have any of you ever cosplayed? Who would you most like to cosplay in the future? Hmm. Ooh. Um, well, I'm very close to a Doctor Strange uh, <laughs> sure. situation here, sure. so I, I'm ready to do it. All yeah. I need is to shave a little bit here and learn a little bit of magic. Just you the got the beard, magic. and as far as I can tell, you have no way home. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <that's it. laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Don't you mean <laughs> multiverse of madness? 
Yeah. Well, he's also in No Way Home. It's fine. Don't worry yeah. about it. Uh, Pete, have you ever cosplayed? Have you ever done a Wolverine? Like, I feel like you've been growing the beard for years at this point. I have, yeah, but that's just for me. Uh, and I'm also nice. too tall to play Wolverine. Thank mm-hmm. you, Edward Doherty. Not do necessarily that. true. I hate to tell you, Pete, but I think you're just fine in the height department to play Wolverine. And let um, me throw it out there. Maybe maybe I've Wolverine's heard. maybe Wolverine's wrong for you, but how about Old Man Logan? <laughs> I'm getting there. Yeah, that would be a good... Uh, I got to get in better shape still, though. That's the tough part. Who who would we? I mean, we we got Doctor Strange for you. We got Wolverine for you. My issue is like Cipher, I, dude. I guess I don't look anything like Cipher, so mm-hmm. I feel like. But some yellow, work. you know, just kind of oh, yellow, yellow you up a little well, bit. You know, it's yellow. Expanded out of <laughs> expanded out of your your faves. Who's someone mm-hmm. that you would cosplay as? Why don't you do Wolverine? Oh, I can. I Your could beard do, is yeah, I mean, in of, like I, this isn't a comic book character, but I uh, used to. I don't know if I still do, but I kind of look like Gene Wilder at a certain point, so I could do like Willy Wonka or something. Um, it's very funny to me. You're like, oh, let me take this out of comics. Um, I could just play like an older version of myself, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> pretty well. If that's what you're saying. <laughs> I could be microchip for yeah, the Punisher. Yeah. Wait, nice. Wait, the one for good. the Punisher TV show, right? Because that's cool. He's a cool dude. Right. Yes, Kevin has the has it right. You don't have to resemble the person to cosplay. It's a microchip. The guy right. who lived in a van. The love. Yes, the saddest character <laughs> in the Punisher book, and a lot of people die in that book, and he's oh still the God. saddest. Oh, you know, geez. you could be a good Doctor Banner. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That was that was really that compliment sort of a compliment really broke yeah, through. I don't know. That's the nicest thing exterior. that Pete said to me in weeks at this point. Uh, yeah. This is from Kevin. What is your favorite comic to recommend that you don't dare say too much about to avoid spoiling? Mm. That's good. I always overshare. That's a problem. Uh, so yeah. I I don't usually do that. Um, I can't help myself because I get excited about talking about a book and the idea of somebody like reading it for the first time. Uh, so I always overshare. I I don't know. I tend to like, I mean, this is avoiding the question, but I go the opposite way. I tend to try to go for, first of all, what we do on the show all the time, which is ask somebody, what do they like? Yeah, and then try to find to. something like that and say, oh, it's like that thing, but this. Give it like a little elevator pitch. Don't necessarily tell them anything about it, but just tease them enough so that they say, oh, I like this movie, so I might want to check out this. I also like to do the opposite of that, like have them tell me something that they like and then make a choice that is the like if they're like, oh, I like light things. I'll give them something really dark and fucked up to read. You know what I mean? Actually, I got a good one. That's not helpful. I think that Invincible. Invincible is a comic book I would never Mm. spoil the twist of. And that's definitely one that I've told people. Great fun engaging superhero book first 13 issues awesome it it changes completely by the end but just read it through issue 13 so i I definitely have sold it to people like that yeah uh i guess um i try not to like uh with like with batman i'm like it's less about the parents Mm -hmm. than you think yeah. Then you think it's more about <laughs> pearl necklaces than you think too. Right. Keep when somebody says, those... "I like parents," you say, "Oh, oh well, you can oh. check out Batman." Check out Batman, oh, and but keep keep reading, keep reading, <laughs> keep reading. Yeah, you'll see what happens. There's a tw- there's a big twist. 
on the first page. Thomas <laughs> Wayne eventually comes back as a multi-dimensional uh, uh, murderer oh, who t- comes man. through the portal, takes Batman's identity, and sort of kills him in certain uh, stories, mm-hmm. and eventually. My favorite type of thing in movies is some sort of barbatos. Do you have a recommendation of a comic like that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a real time bullet guy. No. Anything that I could. Yeah. Uh, we got one more it... question here. This is from Josh. What's your most epic personal cooking fail? Not comics wow. related, but definitely related to what we've been talking about all show long. Uh, Biggest epic personal. I messed up out. mac and cheese. That uh, mm. was pretty sad. Forget the cheese. I dumped the cheese right into the water. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is you mess up. It's a core. It's an epic core. <laughs> is that a recent mess up? No. There's definitely things that I've dumped all over the floor, like take them out of the oven and accidentally flip them upside down, and suddenly there's a lasagna on the floor. So that's probably pretty bad. There's also when we just moved into this apartment, this isn't exactly a cooking fail, but I pulled a pot lid. We had these glass pot lids off of our pot rack, lost control of it, and it smashed all over the floor in the middle of when I was cooking dinner. So I had to turn off all the burners, turn off the oven, clean up glass from the entire apartment. Oh, that was man. pretty bad. Um, the first thing I... Uh, you try to keep your I kids don't... away from there, too, while you're cleaning. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Um, we were cooking um, outside on a grill. We were on vacation in... Um, I think we were going to a wedding in Palm Springs. Ooh. And some friends were a bit, we were at an Airbnb, and we were cooking a big dinner. Is uh, myself and a friend's wife, uh, John Gabrus's wife, Tiff. Oh, nice! Um, and she was cooking bacon wrapped hot dogs on the grill, and bacon not good to cook on the grill. Mm. And the thing caught on fire, and literally the whole wall of this Airbnb oh. we had rented was oh. black soot. Like it was wow. like I was like, we're gonna have to throw this grill the place out of pool. I was like, we're gonna have to throw this grill in the pool if this doesn't. Uh, go out. And so I had to walk up and close the lid on the, like, truly like five-foot flame grill. Wow. Oh my God. Shut it and almost had to ruin everything. Gee, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Did, uh, how much did you, extra did you have to pay on that? Uh, I cleaned it. The... Oh, really? I cleaned it. Yeah. Good for you. I uh, you know, the, se- the secrets I hide from an Airbnb, you yeah, know, I was gonna whoo, say, I'm like a ghost. You'll never know I was there. <laughs> You'll never know what I did. This is, let's end on a comic book question. This is one from YouTube from David Quinley. Fave Batman comic and fave Spider-Man comic? Great question. I mean, uh, Spider-Man, oh, me... I'll throw this out I'll just to start us off. I've definitely talked about this a lot on the show before, but Spider-Man Hookie, this graphic novel that came out probably in uh, the yeah. 80s, uh, where Spider-Man gets a cold, goes to another dimension, helps this kid against this cockroach being thing that just grows bigger and bigger such a good story so well drawn uh still think about it all the time to this day i'll think about batman for a second but you guys have an answer for either of them yeah i'm trying to think i'm sifting through the yeah there's so many batman i'll throw out uh, again while you guys are thinking long halloween i read a lot i do love love long halloween love long halloween um, I'm trying to think what else. Here, I have one for Spider-Man, and this is definitely just 
the lens of being a kid when I first read it, but it was right. It was post Spider-Man having the captain universe powers. And he mm-hmm. was sort of even more like he was with Mary Jane. They uh, were, they had a, like a nice, they were, the relationship was good, but his, the superhero side was all messed up and he just didn't know how to be normal Spider-Man anymore. And the fact that that was one of my early reads, I always think about that. And the fact it was the first time I'd seen a relationship and I was like, Oh, this is like, these characters seem like they're having sex. And it, it was the <laughs> first time I'd really seen that in anything I'd been reading. Um, so it was, I, that, that is one that really pops for me. Oh my God. I just had one. And then your story like kind of blew my mind and now it's gone. You um, started thinking about sex. Mm. No, I was just like, Justin, what the fuck, man? That's a weird, uh, but Yeah. Oh, damn it. Now no, it's just gone. a question. I don't know if you guys know because we're kind I've of said it before. Experience. Is kissing sex or are those two different things? Very different. Very well, different. let me say my understanding is they're pretty similar in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so you they start with kissing and, <laughs> and that baby and, happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what happened with me. <laughs> um, I'm trying to. The one where Flash Thompson dies in uh, Spider-Man has wears the black suit, not Venom. He puts on an all black suit and black does black. Yeah, doesn't talk shit, just whoops ass, and that's my pretty favorite. recent. The pretty recent one. Uh, no, not that recent one. It was it was you know like after was, Flash was Venom and he died. No, no, no. It was like way back. It was like I have a T-shirt where it's like. Uh, Spider-Man on the grave of Flash Thompson wearing the all-black thing. It was uh, it was kind of years ago, but uh, the Batman stuff, like I, you know, I'm a, I love when Batman gets sappy. Like anytime Batman goes to like an orphanage and helps out a kid, or anytime like he's doing something nice, or like, uh, and especially the uh, the dog stuff got me. That the that dog comic we read recently. Uh, uh, after Alfred died and he was kind of sitting there with his dog that got me choked up. But uh, yeah, I like, uh, I like the mushy stuff with Batman, him and cat uh, bat and cat stuff is great. Um, just on the Batman side, I'm going to give it up to the, um, the no man's land um, mm-hmm. run back in the day. Really love that. And I say this a lot, but the relationship um, he had with Sasha Bordeaux, where she became his bodyguard and then uh, found out that he was Batman. I thought was some of the best Batman comics they've done. And we do, I know I keep saying one last one, but we do have one more here. This is from Ramsey Hassan, who was on Maybe you should stop saying that then. You ever thought about that? Wow, Pete. Maybe you should think about some Spider-Man runs. Yeah! Yeah. Do you all read any manga? And if so, what are your faves? Manga, manga, manga. Uh, Yeah. Not a ton. Yeah, not a ton, but it's like classic stuff, you know, that kind of like the first time you kind of pick up manga and someone's like, if you read Lone Wolf and Cub and you're like, what is that? And then you're like, holy shit. So, I mean, that's kind of uh, my answer. <laughs> I, I just, I haven't read uh, very much. Only the couple, like we've talked about, Death Note. Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of the very obvious ones. Um, it's something that like, we read so many comics. I haven't been like it's time to read a million more comics. But <laughs> if anyone has, if anyone has a hot wreck, um, yeah. please. I definitely there was a point when I realized, oh man, I got to educate myself at least a little bit about manga because, to your point, 
we were so focusing on American comics, and that's pretty much it. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Death Note, uh, Pluto, I read, which is really good. There's a um, cooking one you love too. 20th Century Boys, Iron Walk Jan is a lot of fun. That's the one. Uh, there's also one, I think it's called Oshinbo that I think about all the mm. time. That's another co- cooking comic. Um, yeah, there's a couple more that I have on my bookshelf that I, I'm not remembering, but there you go. All right. And that is it for your audience questions. Uh, we did recommend monster. We like monster. Mm, well. Monsters. Really good as well. Yeah. Good one. All right, folks, we're going to move man. on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete. The page. Pete but, page. But Pete, yeah. we got a contestant. You want to invite our contestant into the stream? Sure. So this is the part we give back to you. It's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics Online. And we have a selected person. We no longer do first hand up guy anymore, which is sad because that was one of my favorite things to say. But like all <laughs> things, Alex finds a way to pull joy away from me. Not That's not me, the goal. Away from me. So, you know, uh, cool. You know, another thing Alex gets to ruin. Your relationship is in a great place, the two of you. Uh, I Thanks. believe Jonathan is here, just not on video. Jonathan, are you here? Hello? I heard him. Ooh, we can hear something a little squeaky. Yep, yeah, we can hear you. Hey. I can't see myself on your screen, but I'm here. All right, we believe it. That's All fine. Right. Pete, take it away. Okay. Uh, Jonathan, welcome. Great to have you. Uh, if What's not up, virtually, guys? at least with audio. Uh, today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small uh. nod to the legend Rene Auberjouin. Uh, sorry for killing that, but... No, Aubergine. that sounds right. I feel like you dip into French whenever you don't quite know what to say. Yeah, well, it's, uh, <laughs> you know... Uh, anyways, please listen to all three options before making your selection. Question number one. In the upcoming Shang-Chi number three, who must Shang-Chi fight for the fate of the new mutants is it a wolverine b fing fang foom or is it c angela lansbury so it's either a if you'd like to be correct or you could be wrong i think i'm gonna go with a because i want to be correct all right yeah doing it doing it first one down okay question number two dc will debut the new Man of Steel in Superman, Son of Blank. Is it A, Kal-El, B, Ma Kent, or is it... Oh, no. This is A, <laughs> Kal-El, Son of a Kal-El. Is it Son of a Bitch? I was trying to take the high road, but I uh, appreciate you, uh, you know, just doing that. <laughs> All right, um gonna go with a a is correct all right here we go last one what is the name of the newest dc superhero pete you froze for a second what was c on the last question Uh, so that kevin can figure it out before you say it oh alan arkin alan arkin okay here we go what is the name of the newest dc superhero team in justice league number 64 is it a the bat collective b the United Order, or is it C, Robert Klein? So it's either A, don't do it, or it's B, the United Order. 
I'll go with a furtive head nod and B. Nice. <laughs> B is correct. All right. Jonathan, All right. congratulations. You are getting a $25 gift card to Midtown Comics. We appreciate you coming on. Hopefully yeah. next time we can see your face, but congratulations. It'll be coming your way shortly. You're better off not seeing my face. Oh, oh, come on. <laughs> I'm sure it's very McCool. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Some people may say that. All right. Thanks a lot, Thanks, guys. Jonathan. Have cool. a good night. Yeah. And, right. uh, and uh, just a quick note uh, that I'll mention for those folks who do want to participate in trivia, uh, we will drop a link to a Google form both on Twitter at Comic Book Live and also if you're listening to the podcast, I'm going to put it in the episode description for this one so you can check it out there. Pete, what was your secret? reference did kevin well, get it right was yes it kevin is, it's the 1982 classic the last unicorn which i loved and also gave me nightmares uh but i also want to give a shout out to edward doherty for son of a motherless goat that's a good joke um my kids love the last unicorn we watched really? a lot of that movie yeah oh man weird unicorn. movie yeah it is well don't weird. tell them that renee arbourgeois passed away all right yeah nice pronouncing right there that's uh that's you, right. kind of rah, rah, rah. that that bull my kids, scared the crap out of me as a very kid. scary yeah my kids are all over the celebrity death news they're really oh, nice. on it so. smart cool. you're raising your kids always, right bro they're always breaking it to you hey hey daddy did you yeah. hear what celebrity died today oh, and i'm like God. stay off twitter what accent did you put on Justin's kids? What was that? That's that how was my a kids child talk. accent. That's how his oh. kids talk. Come on, classic down, child man. accent. <laughs> you know. know As we all know, new comic books always coming out. Always new there comics. Whenever you need them. It's all good. What are you guys looking forward to that's coming out this week? Pete. I'm looking forward to Mammo number one and also Captain America number 30. Mm, any particular reasons or Tallahassee Coats, man? Uh, kind of a last round does a nice little letter at the end of Cap. <laughs> Did you say oh, Tallahassee, Tallahassee Coats? Because that yeah. is very good. <laughs> that is, yeah. I appreciate T Coats. Mm. Yeah. Justin, what about you? What are you looking forward to? Uh, I also, uh, Captain America, um, very good. I want to give a shout out to Carmen number five as well. Um, we've been uh, reading this by um, Guillaume March, and it is uh, just, it's a a book that was seemingly for a a long time was all about the visual uh, sort of storytelling that was happening here. And there's really been a lot of additional uh, sort of story added to it, and it's really good. I'm looking forward to the Nice House on the Lake number two oh, from DC Comics, written by James Tynion the Fourth. Man, that guy knows how to set no, up a premise. Too and creepy. That first first issue was terrifying. Very excited yeah. to check out the second one. No. And those are all going to be in our Stack Podcast, which is the Comic Book Club feed or its own dedicated Stack feed Wednesdays at 9 a.m. So check it out. And folks, that is it. For tonight's show, thank you so much for coming out. A couple of people we want to thank. We want to thank Tori Sharp. Check out Just Pretend, which is out yeah, now from Little really Brown. Great. Also, James Alban for The Delicacy, out now yes, from IDW Top fantastic. Shelf. Very cool uh, stuff. Next week on the show, we're going to have a big fun one with the J.K. Woodward is going to be here to talk about the Khan yeah. Sutra, something that I'm sure people will be 100% comfortable with. Yeah. And also... 
Ray Fox is going to be here to talk about One Line, his pseudo-sequel to One Soul, one of the best books released in the past couple of decades. So very excited to talk about that. So definitely come back. Also, a couple of other things to plug. Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. Check that out in its own dedicated feed. We got Loki coming to you every Wednesday. And we got a Black Widow spoiler-filled review coming to you later this week. So definitely check that out. Very excited to roll that out. Plus all the rest of the podcast that we do. We're going to be gearing up a bunch of others soon. So check those out. Patreon.com slash comic book club if you want to support the show. And also have us shout out your name on the show occasionally. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Take care of yourself out there. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.